My name is Sarah Beth Fintress, and you are listening to episode 27 of the Simply 127 podcast. In today's episode, we are continuing our conversation with Manny and Jillian Prieto. So if you missed the first part, make sure you go back and listen before you start today's episode. Today, we're talking about advice, words of encouragement, wisdom, and how adoption is a picture of the gospel. In fact, I think that's a great place to start. I would love for you guys to tell us a little bit about how God has grown your faith through this journey and how adoption is a picture of the gospel for those of us who might not really understand that. I think anybody who has had even a little experience with parenting can say that there is a lot that in parenting, it shows you about the heart of the father himself, you know, and that the love that he has for us is so much greater than anything we could fathom or comprehend. The love that he has for these children and for the vulnerable around the world is so much greater than we could comprehend. And so I think in parenting the girls, I was able to see even more a glimpse of, man, how much God really does love us and how much he loves the vulnerable. And I think also in the process of learning how to do discipline and failing at it many times, making many mistakes. And, and I, I still do. Um, I am driven back to seeing my need for the Lord, his guidance, um, trying to look at his example to see how to be a parent uh, and then seeing how much we fail. It's a beautiful thing and also can be hard at times because you're wrestling with, I want to be better. And I know that I need to do this. I see how the Lord does it. Um, so it, it's kind of a good tension, I think, that we wrestle with. Yeah, yeah I think one of the things that has stood out for me, is this idea of like being welcomed into God's family when you weren't part of it, being grafted in, um, for him to to see those who were not his people now as his people, you know, uh, who whom he lavishes love on, you know, um, through Jesus. Uh, just the reality of that, like again, before it was always this abstraction and this thing that I knew to be true and that I affirmed with my my whole heart and and, and whatnot. Um, but now living it as someone who truly has received someone who at one point I could clear, clearly say these girls were not in my family. They, they were here, they existed, but they weren't in my family. And today they absolutely are. And there's no sense in which they're less a part of my family. Like they are a Prieto in every sense of the word. Like they are a hundred percent in this family. And there's no difference between them and anybody else. Um, and just being able to experience that reality, you know, it's yeah. so cool to see that. It's so cool to live that. And then I think about the reality that like, I'm so imperfect, right? You know, I'm, I'm just a man. And even my my love in these ways that I'm like, I can't tell a difference between my biological children and my my adopted children um, because in every sense, they're the same to me. Um, and yet I've recognized how imperfect I am in that. I'm like, man, how much more real is that for like a perfect God who never errs, yeah. you know, who, who never misspeaks, who never, you know, like he's true to his character. He's faithful. He's loving man, like, that's just amazing. It's amazing to like have that vantage point. Um, and like you said, you know, the discipline thing is just a very real thing. Um, cause you want, you want to parent your kids well, you want to instruct them and we're so fallen, you know, we, we, we don't always do the, the, the best job of that. You know, we fail. Um, but, but to feel like my own love for my children as I discipline them, uh, imperfectly, 
um, and to know, like, you know, when we face trials, when we face the father's discipline, like how wonderful it is that he is a perfect father. And so it's not imperfect discipline like ours. It's perfect. It's just wonderful to know. Okay. I'm going to shift gears a little bit, thinking through advice or words of wisdom. People are listening and maybe they're contemplating foster care, even respite care. I think originally you guys thought that's probably what you were signing up for mm-hmm. at first. Um, so just words of wisdom, encouragement. What would you say to people? I love you to address the common thing I hear all the time is I could never foster because I might have to give the kids back. Mm-hmm. So if you have any thoughts along those lines, but in general, um, what would you share with people who are thinking about taking steps forward? Yeah. I think something that Manny said earlier is so key. There's nothing unique about us or nothing that uniquely qualifies us or individuals who foster or who adopt to do that. For the two of us, there was a question about how can we serve and a decision. This is how we will serve. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that there won't be challenges and trials along the way. Um, you know, I, in answer to your question, that common objection that people have is one of the things that I brought up. And I think probably almost everybody who enters into foster care brings up something that we were told and that still sticks with me to this day is we as adults and especially as believers are way more equipped to go through the process of foster care with the potential outcome that, yeah, you, you will develop such a strong bond and connection with a child. You will love them so much and it will be painful when they leave, but we are so much more equipped to handle that than they are in their state as kids to not have anybody take that chance on them. And so I think that's what I would say is, yeah, it could be really uncomfortable. It, it, it will be painful whether or not it ends in adoption or whether or not it ends in reunification, which also we should look at as a beautiful thing. When reunification happens in a healthy yeah. sense where um, families are reunited and, it, and it's because people have worked really hard to to keep that family together, it is a good thing. So I would just say that in spite of potential pain and heartache, the it's more important that these kids have a place of safety and care and that they would be able to hear the gospel in our homes, even if it's for a week placement or if it's if you become their forever home. And so I would say that that is and should be worth it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, uh, what you're saying reminds me of a C.S. Lewis quote that I won't even try because I'll butcher it. <laughs> But the idea being that, like, anytime you choose to love, it, it is inherently a risky thing. Like, you are making yourself vulnerable. Like, that's what it, it's it tied into the definition of loving. You know, like, yes, you can indeed be hurt. Um, and if you don't want to be hurt, then don't love, you know. Um, but that's the model that we have in Christ of, of a love that uh, isn't thinking first, how can I be safe? Um, mm-hmm. We don't have that example of love in Christ. We have an example of love that says, how can I make these people holy and good and right before God, uh, even if it costs me everything? And that is literally what we see in Christ. Like he gives himself up for our good at great expense to himself. And so I think that's the model of love that we ought to uh, imitate, you know, uh, not just in foster care and adoption, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our uh, business, in, in all spheres of life. Like that's the call, the kind of love that we're called to. 
Um, and so, um, you know, while, while it resonates with me, like the fear of, wow, wouldn't it hurt if I just like got so attached to a child or children in my home and, and thought it was going to go one way. And then one day I had to say goodbye. And, and a lot of times, sadly, like the goodbye is not, you know, is, is not a happy thing. You know, they're, they're going somewhere and I don't have all the, all the answers about what that's going to look like. I don't even know if that's the best fit for them. I've got questions and misgivings. And so goodbye could be indeed not just sad, but also like very unsettling, you know? Um, but I, I really do think that that is the kind of love that we're called to. And that is the kind of love that those kids need to experience and receive this, this selfless love that says, if I had to say goodbye, it would hurt a lot. Um, and it is still worth it to love you in this way. Um, you know, People are often scared of attachment, but one of the things that we have learned and have held on to over the years is kids need attachment. Every child needs it. And so, yes, get attached is what they say. It's a good thing. We want you to yeah. get attached. Um, make a relationship that's going to make you sad if it yeah. has to separate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a time when we thought that the girls were going to move from our home and, and it felt, and anybody who has actually experienced this would probably echo something very similar. But for me, it felt like the coming of, of a death that I, I grieved so much. Uh, and it was really a hard, dark, scary season for us. And, but I think Mimi's right. You know, that if we just wall up our hearts and, and never allow anybody to get in. And that's not also what the Lord calls us to as well. Um, yeah. And so, and then as far as practical advice, you know, other things that people might need to know in going into foster care, I would say, ask people who have fostered, ask people who have adopted, um, you know, questions that you have about their, what, what they are able to and comfortable with sharing about their experiences. Um, you know, people told us all, all along it wouldn't be easy. And I don't think, I think I believed them. And also at the same time, there was no way for me to really understand and have a concept of what that would look like. And so I don't think I ever really could have grasped how this journey would be so joyful and also so painful at the same time, um, unless I had experienced it. And so I think asking people, leaning into your community, I would say have a community is huge because we don't have family, um, biological family near either of us. Manny's family is the closest there in Miami. And for me, my closest is six hours away. Uh, and so we had to have the help of our community um, through the church because if we didn't, uh, I don't think we would have been, it, it would have been a lot harder. CAFO offers uh, what they call the OVC Essentials course that they offer uh, a few times a year. And it's a little bit more formal. Like you have to sign up uh, for a course. If, if you're part of an organization that is a member, it's free. But if not, there's a, a small charge for it. Um, but honestly, um, that course just does such a great job of kind of giving you a great survey, uh, not just of foster care and adoption, but like the, the larger picture of caring for vulnerable uh, mm -hmm. children uh, across the world. Um, and so it really sets a good context for like, okay, like I'm going to walk down to my, you know, my county's uh, foster care office and sign up. 
how does that fit into this big picture? Or I'm going to go, you know, talk to this ministry that does adoptions or whatever, or maybe I'm going to hop on a plane and go serve, you know, on a short-term mission team somewhere. Like being able to understand how all these things fit together in this larger big picture of caring for mm-hmm. um, orphans, widows, vulnerable communities. I would highly recommend that. And I know we can drop that in the show notes. Um, yeah, I think the more you can, you can, you can uh, study and read up, the better. I would highly recommend talking to people that you might know in real life um, who have done it, um, uh, adoption, foster care, uh, even even like have you been around people who have mm-hmm. done that, you know, uh, talking to those people uh, who have done babysitting and, and, and respite care, getting those real world uh, experiences is huge. Um, but then the other thing I would say uh, is that you will never know all that you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I look back now, I'm like, oh, I knew so little. Even as I was seeking to get educated, I just knew so little. And some of that was the Lord's grace. That, like, you know, I, I knew enough to like be sober minded coming into it. Um, but I didn't know so much just to be like, oh, this is just overwhelming. <laughs> I can't do this. I better not. Um, and yeah, I think if you're just waiting for like the perfect moment where we're perfectly ready, that will just never come. Yeah. So at some point, is the best teacher. Yeah, mm-hmm. At some point, I think you just need to take a step that says like, Hey, I've, I've spoken to wise counselors, you know, people who know me, who know my life, uh, who know, uh, the demands that this kind of uh, endeavor will, will ask of me. And they're giving me the green light. They're, they're giving me the go ahead. I've got a, a network of support in my community. Um, okay. I'm like, yeah. If I'm getting green lights, let me let me go ahead and do this because if I just wait until like the perfect moment where I make all the money in the world and have all the leisure time in the world and have every, you know it's just never going to happen. Yeah, and I would say you don't have to fit a mold, right? So you could be single, you could be married, you could be younger, you could be older. You could have a ton of experience with kids of um, the age of, of placement that you receive or, or no experience with it. You know, I think some of the factors have different things that'll be more challenging or less challenging about them, but there is not a one size fits all for mm-hmm. foster care. And, um, I had it, never changed a diaper until we had a foster <laughs> in our home and it was a very traumatic experience. <laughs> you know? It seems much simpler when somebody else does it, but it's pretty involved. About day three. I told Manny, I was like, all right, it's time. And since then, he's changed, he's a changed. Few since then. He's changed quite a I few. I am pretty good at it now. Another thing that I would say um, is don't foster or choose to adopt to fill a void that, um, or, or, or a dream or picture of something uh, without really counting the cost of what this means moving forward. Because... I think it can be very easy to say, well, I'll just do this and I'll just do that. And, um, you know, the, the purpose when you enter into it, I would just say, be ready to give and keep giving and give all of yourself. It's not going to be about what you receive, though. I do believe you will receive, um, great joy from, I mean, I cannot, I can't even begin to describe how much joy we have received from, um, our, our oldest two daughters, but I would just say that, yeah, just weighing that and being sober-minded about it, I think is a healthy approach. Yeah. You mentioned this a few minutes ago, but I think a good place to kind of wrap up the conversation is talking about community, just the importance of not feeling alone, having people you can count on. So we just love to hear a little bit more about, I mean, you guys 
I'm ho- I think you kind of knew going into it, you're going to have support, but there was no guarantee. <laughs> and just the value and the role that friends and family um, near and far have played in the importance of that. I think people need to have a really sober mind about mm-hmm. not entering this by yourself. Absolutely. Um, the night that we got the call that the girls were coming. So <laughs> to, and this is um, how it happened for us. We, we got our license and then five days later, we got the girls and we had, I think about three hours to prepare for them coming. So this is not everybody's situation, but for ours, it was pretty fast. And so we, we didn't have a lot for, we had to call somebody. Uh, they brought us a pack and play over because we had two kids and we were only expecting to have one kid. And, um, we had a couple of families that night that, brought us, I I remember telling my friends, um, one of them needs a blanket. I don't have a blanket. I don't have a sippy cup for the one-year-old. Uh, we didn't have formula for the baby and they didn't have clothes. I mean, they did not come with all of their things. And so to have the couple of families that we had come over that night instantly and just say, what do you need? We'll bring it. And then for the days and weeks after that, we had people that we didn't even know, um, that would hear or found out through friends of ours and would say, Hey, I've got extra girl clothes. We'll bring them by. Um, or you don't know that you will need this item, but you will need this item. So let's just go ahead and give it to you. And I cannot tell you uh, how much a difference that has made. And, um, and then on top of that, people, um, who have, just grown a relationship with our daughters and have cared about them. Um, because again, relationship takes time and investment. And so for people who have mm-hmm. babysat or, um, just hung out with the girls or people who, who brought us meals when we had the transition, um, of, uh, for our family then. So there are many ways that mm-hmm. the community really has helped us. And, and so I would just say if you not everybody will be able to foster or adopt, but every single person is able to play a part in that story. Mm-hmm. It just might look different for each individual and each family. Yeah. I mean, I think the honest assessment is I don't know that we would have been able to do this without the, the support of our community, um, you know, in, in all kinds of different ways. Like, and that's everything from, you know, uh, I don't know how to feed this child you know, because it didn't come with a manual and you know, somebody being able to speak into that um, from that to dropping off diapers to talking to us because, you know, like in those early days, it's like, hey, we're exhausted. We don't sleep anymore. We used to sleep all the time and now we don't sleep at all. Um, and just being able to have, you know, listening ears who would bear burdens with us, who would, you know, come come sit on our couch as we like, you know, recovered from the shock of how our lives had changed so much in such a short span of time. Um, being able to have other families who had experienced uh, adoption or foster care to just say, we're not crazy, right? This is really hard. And did you experience something like this, like that? That was huge. Um, Folks who would say like, hey, we'll watch the girls for a few hours so you can go out and watch a movie or get some dinner or, you know, do something about your hair, (laughs) you know, whatever you need. (laughs) Um, I mean, all those things make a huge difference, honestly, Um, having that kind of support. uh, I I can't say enough about that because, uh, you know, from the outside looking in, it can seem so, so small uh, to do any of those things. And yet, like when you're the one who's, you know, received the placement, who's done this, like it means the world. I mean, it, it, it makes a huge difference to receive that. And so I would commend, even if you're, if you're like evaluating for yourself and you're like, you know, I don't know that the sober assessment is that I should foster or adopt because of any number of you know, perfectly legitimate reasons. Um, but I would say, like, ask yourself, how can I join somebody else who has, like, can I, 
come over and, and, and chat? Can I drop something off? Can I watch the kids for a little bit? Can I help carry that burden? Because I mean, that's so, so huge and so important. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest helps is if you do know somebody who has fostered or adopted, um, as you're going through the process, the, <laughs> there is a bond there, right. Of, um, of families who have been through, even though all of our situations are different, but there is a bond in understanding how parenting and how family works in this kind of atypical dynamic that we're not really used to seeing that much. And so I think finding community and latching on to even like one or two other families that have kind of experienced this before um, is so helpful because it is there are things about parenting from trauma that really like talking to people who have been through that before is um, some, it can be some of the most healing, most helpful time to just say, man, it's hard, isn't it? And for somebody else to validate, yeah, Yeah. it's hard. Kindred spirits are. Yes, absolutely. And Mandy, we were talking about um, just like words of wisdom or encouragement. I think there might be a couple other things that you wanted to share on maybe someone who's just starting to mm-hmm. research and to do the process. Is this something that God's mm-hmm. calling me to do? What What would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, what something that I, I, I want to make sure I mention is that uh, when you consider like the task of raising a child, you know, uh, whether it be you know for all of their childhood or just for a, a season of that. Um, I, I think we tend to like have this attitude of almost like ownership uh, over our biological children. Like they are mine. Um, mm-hmm. They belong to me and I get to determine these things about them. And, and I think the reality is we're, we're given a stewardship over their lives, you know, biologically or otherwise. And so in that regard, um, one of the blessings of foster care, uh, one of the blessings adoption of adoption is that it kind of brings that issue more to the surface where you can't just assume uh, ownership like you would for a biological child. Um, you're, you're faced with these questions. And, and in foster care in particular, you're just faced with the reality of like, I don't know that they'll be here tomorrow. I, I can't. I can't bank on that. I don't know that they won't be taken to a different place and, and different people. Um, but the reality is the same, whether it's a biological child, whether you've adopted them or whether they're just here right now as a foster placement, is that you've been giving given a stewardship over this time with this child. And so what are you going to do with that? And I think having that perspective um, for us was so helpful to just know like, okay, so what if they're just here for a few weeks or a few months or even a few years and then they're gone? What do we want to do with that time? And, and like the answers to those questions being if they don't hear the gospel anywhere else, we want them to hear it here. And obviously they're babies. And so like that, there's a limit to how much we can do that. Um, but we want them to also see the gospel here. And we want it, like, this might be their only chance at seeing a healthy marriage, you know? And so we want them to see that, like we're, we're given this stewardship. Um, and that's not different with our biological daughters, you know, and, and now they're, you know, the, the girl, the older girls are adopted. And so everyone's in the family, you know, and, until legally they can leave us. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like it's just a season that we were entrusted with. They're the Lord's. They're not ours. And so for us to just recognize the reality that it is for a season, it, 
any child is for a season, right? You know, because at some point they grow up and they can make their own decisions. And so what are you going to do with that season that you're entrusted with? Can you, can you be faithful there? Uh, and you're going to get it wrong. I mean, we get it wrong all the time, um, but ha- having that posture of saying they belong to the Lord. And yeah. so I want to be faithful there. And point I think that is, that's a good reminder for biological parents and adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We yeah. sometimes need. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to remember that and, and keep it, all in perspective. Um, All right. I think we're out of time, guys. Thank you so much just for sharing openly and uh, transparently and just for coming on the show today. We, uh, I think it was a great conversation and just looking forward to people hearing what you guys had to say. Thanks so much for having us. It was great. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. There was so much great information in this conversation. I even asked Manny and Jillian if they would be willing to open a Prieto hotline to answer your all's questions about foster care and adoption. (laughs) Some of the highlights for me from this conversation is this idea that not everyone is called to adopt, but everyone can join someone who has. And I know in my life personally, it's been a blessing and also just a place where I can serve um, to stand with families as they are going through this journey of foster care and adoption. Also, I thought it was really interesting that they considered everything they didn't know before they entered into this world of foster care as a grace from the Lord. I guess I'd never really thought about it quite like that, that they just were willing to take small steps of obedience, follow the next right step, and then God just showed them what they needed to know as they needed it, and that they considered that a grace, that they didn't know everything going in. And then another thing is that um, we shouldn't agree to foster care to uh, or adopt to fill a void that we have in our own lives. That seems like common sense, but I've also seen that happen so many times that um, this isn't something that you walk into expecting your needs to get met and expecting to fill a void. Um, God does bring joy and he does bring blessings, as Jillian was saying, um, but I just thought that was um, another uh, highlight for me. And then lastly, um, Manny was mentioning the stewardship versus ownership in parenting and recognizing that parenting, whether it's biological or through adoption, is a season. And um, I know that adult children still need parenting, but this idea of like kids in your home is a season. And what are we doing with that? How are we making the most of that time that God has given us? So those are just a few of my favorites. Would love to hear some comments from you guys on parts of this conversation that you enjoyed. And as always, we hope that you will tune in next time as we continue to just talk about um, ways that people are tangibly living out James 127. Thanks so much, and we'll see you soon. a special guest with me today. Here, you got to talk right here if you want to ask something. Um, I, I, I want you to go over there and then I can talk. Well, what is our only hope in life and death? What is it? We are not our own and we belong to God. You belong to God? Does this get off? <laughs> All right, I'm going to ask you three questions. The first one is, what is our only hope in life and death? We're not our own, and we belong to God. And who is God? 
It's a greater love you than anything. And how many persons are in God? There are three persons and one God. The, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good job, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what you want to be when you grow up? Uh-huh. What? Um, I want, well, I am an artist right now. I want to be a scientist. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an astronaut and a... You have, you have big plans. And a vegetarian. That's awesome. I want to be all of those things. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Thank, Thank you, you.